Welcome back to the Scripps Talks podcast. Uh, we have Kat Hofacker joining us from uh, the Washington, D.C. area. Kat, you've not actually been out in the work world that many years now, um, have you? This is kind of an interesting way to try to make the journalism career work with a big pivot in the middle of, of your first couple of years. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, I'm actually going to be celebrating the first anniversary of my job, I believe, at the end of next week, if I'm remembering the start date correctly. So it had occurred to me that I would be celebrating that first anniversary, not in my office or you know at a conference, but in my apartment from my couch working on my laptop because that's the, like you said, that's the that's the situation we find ourselves in. So I hadn't really thought about it in the context of this was an interesting way to begin my career, but now that you say it, it absolutely is. And I guess all I can say is it's kind of capped off what's been uh, my first year on this job as constantly learning, constantly having to question myself and reevaluate what I do and don't know. And I think this is just another layer to that. And hopefully um, when we come out on the other side of this, this will have prepared me to tackle basically any other major life event or less than ideal situation that the world would have to throw at me. Do you think, Kat, that uh, because you're still relatively young, that you're more agile and, and able to to pivot with something like this than maybe somebody who had been, you know, working 20 or 30 years or less, maybe not 20, 30 years, but even five or 10 years. For example, you may have had an online journalism class or an online class at some point in your schooling. So, so do you think that is an advantage that you have as a young person? That's an interesting question. I would say yes, in some ways, because Online is really all I've ever known. Uh, that being said, I've worked at a lot of print publications, you know, newspapers. Now the, the place I'm at also publishes a monthly magazine in addition to the online content I write. But there's always been an online component. So we are very fortunate that in some aspect, a lot of the ways we are uploading things and the ways we're communicating are are not that different. But I also don't think that maybe someone who's been in the industry, like you said, maybe 10 or 15 years, 5, 10 years, has been a little longer. I don't know if they're experiencing as drastic of a change because they've also covered really big life-changing events that I absolutely have not. I've never covered anything remotely like this, whereas if you were in a newsroom 15 years ago, a little more than 15 years ago, let's say 20 years ago almost now, you covered 9-11, which seems to be one of the... Um, the most direct comparisons people in our industry make when they're talking about the last time there was this big upheaval that kind of reached across and touched a lot of corners of American life. Of course, this is way different because it's not just America. It's the entire world. I don't have that experience. I can't put it in the same context as someone has. And I think that is both an advantage and a disadvantage because I'm kind of just taking every day and kind of just rolling with it. And I don't know if that would be more difficult or less difficult if I had already been in the industry for several years prior to this. So tell us a little bit about your uh, the, the media outlet that you work at and, and talk about how that particular um, media platform has been affected by this story. I work at a magazine called Aerospace America. It's the magazine 
of an aerospace membership organization called the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics. And like I said, we have a, a monthly print edition. And then I also am the, the staff reporter who generally generates online content. It's usually just me writing online articles. So whenever there are big events like this, it is a little daunting in the sense that I don't have a large team I can pull from. Um, it's me and my two editors. We're the on-staff journalists, and we rely on a cast of rotating contributors for magazine feature articles and occasionally for online and then there's the fact that this pandemic has rocked through the aerospace community in a really interesting way. So the two industries I primarily work with are aviation and space. Aviation, of course, is, as everyone can kind of see by now, is really taking a big hit with this. The airlines are they've, they're experiencing a drop in demand that I don't think you have ever seen, not even compared to 9-11, because again, 9-11 was insulated in a certain way to the U.S., whereas this is rocking throughout the entire world, and really the, the projections are still coming in, but this could really be something that affects the airline industry for a very long time. Uh, contrast that with the, the space market, where space is not untouched by this, but we're seeing the effects kind of trickle in more slowly. What we're seeing right now start to happen is these shelter-in-place orders or these really restrictive state measures to clamp down on people moving out and about has halted some of the work that NASA is doing. So, for example, right now in California, Northrop Grumman is integrating and testing the James Webb Space Telescope, which is supposed to be the next great observatory that we're going to launch into space next year to go survey, you know, very distant galaxies and glimpse the first light of the universe. That launch has already been way over schedule and way over budget. And now with this newest travel restriction, they've had to halt integration and testing. And there's a big question mark as to whether they're even going to meet that 2021 deadline. On the other hand, NASA is pushing ahead with the preparations to launch a new Mars rover. And that's supposed to happen in July. So for right now, that work is continuing, but I think it's anyone's guess as to how long that work actually can continue. So seeing mission delays and then, of course, halting production in the commercial space industry is where really where we're starting to see that effects there. So for right now, my coverage is largely along the lines of how is this trickling down? And like I said, it's a lot of launch delays. It's a lot of how will this affect production. But I'm also trying to dig into how are companies handling working from home? Aerospace is an industry where you can't really telework certain things. Like, for example, the commander of the Space Force's 45th Space Wing that's overseeing a launch that went off today said, launches can't be teleworked. You need about 300 people on site in the control room, on the ground, looking at weather forecasts, looking at the rocket conditions. You need a certain amount of people on site, and that can't be done remotely. So it's, it's a really difficult situation from all sides, and we're, quite frankly, still figuring out how we can contribute to that conversation while not really amplifying what else has been out there, but adding something new and productive and helpful to the conversation. So what media outlets are you paying attention to with respect to coverage of the, of the virus? So, of course, uh, Associated Press is always a big one to look out for. I'm also really closely following Politico for its uh, congressional coverage. It's It's been really 
interesting um, to monitor the uh, the different stimulus packages that Congress is proposing and how that might have an effect on the airline industry. In terms of more aerospace coverage, uh, Space News is really well known in the space industry. It's a little more niche, but very well known within the industry, as I said. Bloomberg and Reuters also have very good coverage of both airlines and space. And just as the general economy falters and the impact that that has on not just the airline industry, but obviously from your standpoint, that would be the big industry that you're following. You know, how much have you had to become uh, a person who who understands more about business than, than maybe you would have ever thought? Over my year on the job, I think that's I think that's um, pretty true in general. There is a certain component of market demand when you cover anything having to do with the private industry. And of course, aviation is like that because airlines are very much a supply and demand um, product. And then on the commercial space side, that is very much supply and demand as well, especially when you're talking about things like space tourism, where companies like Virgin want to send people to the edge of space for a couple of minutes of weightlessness. That's a That's an up and coming industry and it's very much governed by demand or it's going to be and that's it's really uncertain now the effects that the virus will have on how soon that vision becomes a reality for some people but I would say it's not only just the business side I've actually had to bring in a lot of what I absorbed when I was covering politics I was I was previously at USA Today in the fall of 2018 for the 2018 congressional midterms and then I was at the New Political Student Publication all throughout my time at OU covering local politics. So I think the politics side of it has been really helpful as well, you know, identifying what congressmen, what congresswomen are involved in the aerospace industry. Every, you know, of course, everyone has their, their special issue that they like to champion. And I think particularly in space, you find out that state loyalty is such a strong thing. So, for example, the state of Texas, very proud of Johnson Space Center. And there have been kind of political scuffles in the past when uh, the Texas delegates perceived that um, the NASA Center in another state, Alabama, was getting a program that they perhaps wanted to oversee themselves. So, yeah, business has been really important throughout this whole year and now, especially with this as well, but then also um, the politics of it. You know, I think you're you're the youngest um, alum that I've interviewed so far for the podcast, and and I think a lot of our students would really be able to um, identify with you and and kind of wonder what advice you might have for them at this very uncertain moment. You can you can well imagine all the internships that are on hold and and all the jobs that are on hold. You know, would you have any words of advice? for your soon-to-graduate Bobcat friends? Well, first and foremost, I would say that I'm, I'm sorry for the situation they find themselves in because graduating is hard enough on so many levels, and then to have a, a global pandemic on top of it is, uh, understandably, a lot of pressure. I would say, obviously, I can't really predict what the job market's going to do or when things might pick back up. I certainly hope they do soon, but until then try to do what you can, but be gentle with yourself. Post-graduation is a, a time of a lot of emotional vulnerability, and you can be really hard on yourself for things that are outside your control, even without extenuating circumstances like this. So I think 
if moving back home is not an option that thrills you, maybe look into what you can do living somewhere with friends or trying to put yourself in a as good of a situation as you can. Otherwise, um, just try to think that this isn't forever, hopefully. And, you know, if you can gather any independent projects you're working on, maybe this would keep you occupied at this time. And then when this, when this is all out, you have some work to show for it. I would also suggest maybe reaching out to, to local papers and seeing if they could use more assistance at this time. In Athens, especially like the, the Athens News and the Messenger, they do an incredible job with the small staffs they have, but they've also taken on a lot of student stringers in the past. And then, the, of course, the Columbus Dispatch has the fellowship program as well. So no matter where you are, try to find ways that you can keep honing your craft and contributing. And, um, you know, like I said, if all else fails, just just be gentle with yourself because everyone's doing the best they can and no one's going to fault you for having a gap on your resume because it's a global pandemic. Anything you want to, to add uh, about your experience or anything that you think would be interesting to our listeners? I will say that learning to work from home, teleworking, and all the mental adjustments that have had to happen because of this situation, um, it hasn't been perfect. I've struggled with it, and fortunately, I have an employer that is very understanding of, you know, sometimes life happens and we all need a moment to adjust. So I would just say I'd want people to know that I did take a day or two to kind of wrap my head around this situation. And I, I still have days. I'm going into about two weeks of teleworking right now, and I, I'm still having days where I wake up and I'm like, this isn't real, and I, I'm not handling it very well today. So I am taking that time for myself to just breathe and just try to be okay as much as I can be. So I think it's really important for people to see that even if you're not out in the front lines covering this stuff, you know, at, at the Capitol until midnight, watching legislators hack out a deal, it's stressful on everybody. I think that whatever you have to do to keep your mental health in good shape and to continue your job, I think, is a, is a good thing to do. It'll be really good to see when we're on the other side of this to learn more about how everyone managed to cope with it and yeah, maybe perhaps see that the, the industry will be a little more understanding of mental health issues and that this will help us kind of talk more about this conversation. That's a great note to end on. Uh, you would like to think that we will learn a lot, not just about science and pandemics and, and all of that, but also, you know, how to function when, when things get very uh, topsy-turvy because what we're sort of being told is uh, this is not the last pandemic we will experience. Yeah, there's a disease X around the corner there, and I hope we're more ready for it when it comes. Regardless, I think journalists everywhere have done a really amazing job in these circumstances. Everywhere I look, I see such great, insightful, meaningful coverage and I'm not the first person to say this, but I think an instance like this really shows you why journalism matters. I really hope that a lot of the public feels that we've been of service to them because I know we absolutely are trying our best and that's what we want at the end of the day. Kat Hoke-Facker, thank you very much for, for joining us for this episode of Scripps Talks. Thank you for having me. This is great. 